I come to you this morning on, on uh, behalf of many needs that exist in our church. And we have so many, oddly enough, in the summertime that are sick with flu symptoms, uh, pneumonia, things of that nature that affect the res- respiratory system. Lord, I pray that you will heal them, that you will allow them to breathe with the breath of God to be healed in their body. Lord, there are others that they have experienced great trauma in their lives this week. And God, you know all about it. You know who they are. You know who is in this congregation, who is standing alongside of them and needing your comfort and your peace. I pray that you'll touch them and minister to them. Lord, I pray for Frida today, and I pray for Brother No today, that you will bring healing to their bodies and strengthen them. I pray, Lord, for Marlo, that as she uh, grieves the loss of her 90-year-old mother, that you would wrap your arms of love around her and comfort her and speak peace to her today. You know, these kinds of situations are bittersweet. They're bitter in that we're saying, see you later to someone that we love so much. But they're sweet because we know that her mother was a child of God. And to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So strengthen them today and comfort them. Father, as we turn to your word today, I pray that you'll minister to us. I've done as much preparation as I know how to do. I've lived in this passage of Scripture this week. I've studied it from every angle that I know how to study it. I've I've studied it practically. I've studied it theologically. I've I've studied it every way that I know. But now the bottom line is, is that your spirit must be active in the presentation of the Word of God. So that as your people hear the words that will come out of my mouth today that they'll be able to relate beyond the words of a man and will in the Spirit connect with what it is that you want to say to them this morning. And Lord, I pray that as we pray at the end of the service, I, I just keep hearing in my spirit all week I've been hearing you say to me, be still, just be still. Be still and know that I am God. And so, Lord, I pray today that as we listen to your words, that you will help us to calm our soul and to be still before you so that you can speak to us and strengthen us as we should be. And, Father, I thank you now in advance for what you are going to do. It is with great confidence that I preach today, knowing that when your word goes forth, it shall not return to you void, but shall accomplish everything that you intend for it to accomplish. And I praise you now in Jesus' name, amen and amen. For the last couple of years, I've not had any hummingbirds at my house. I don't know if it's because I cursed them or if it's because they just didn't like me anymore. I'm not sure what it is. How many of you have hummingbirds at your house? Can I see your hand? About about two or three years ago, I had hummingbirds everywhere. I put the hummingbird feeder up and put the the food in it and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, hummingbirds just came from everywhere. And at first, it was such a blessing to my soul because I'd sit out there on that beautiful deck and I would see them come and flutter at the feeder. And it was just so beautiful to watch. But then over time, they, they became emboldened. Uh, they, they got a little bit aggressive, and I, I'm, I'm not sure why. Maybe, 
maybe they just were feeling their oats that day or whatever. But I, I'd be sitting in my chair and just enjoying them. And all of a sudden, they just buzz me, you know, just come by and buzz me, buzz my ear. And like, like there was some nectar in my ear. There's something in my ear, but it ain't nectar. You know what I mean? And they were just cut, and they were they were bothersome to me. And this this thing that at one time brought me such peace and calm, now all of a sudden was an irritant to my spirit. And I started just saying things like, "Get out of here!" You know, "Go away!" "Go bother Donna!" You know, "Go bother anybody!" "Don't don't bother me anymore!" And they became an irritant to me. And I have discovered through the years that there are things in our lives that at one time were very peaceful and brought calm to our soul, but uh, through time and over the course of time, those things begin to irritate us a little bit. Don't look at your spouse right now. They, this would be a horrible time for you to look at them right now. But you know what I'm talking about, things that at one time were very peaceful, now all of a sudden we're bringing uh, this turmoil to us. This week, I got caught up in Psalm chapter 23. And it says this, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then I got to thinking about my soul. I got to thinking about how that is, is one of the most important things about me. It's really more important than whether or not I look buff. And they could come by my house and take pictures of me and put pictures of me on some weightlifting magazine. Now, I've, I've had to turn down offers for that kind of thing. But no, not really. I'm, I'm just kidding. You know, more important than exercise and building up and buffing up and all those kinds of things is the condition of our soul. In fact, Matthew chapter 16 verse 26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So in other words, God is telling us through his scripture that our soul is very important. Our soul is something that, that we should prioritize. The building of our soul, the, the maturing of our soul is, is one of the most important activities that you can be involved in in your walk with the Lord. Now this morning I want to just leave three observations with you, three thoughts about our soul. The first one is... I want you to understand today and believe with all of your heart that all of you have a soul. God has designed that we have a soul. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, The Lord God formed the man of dust, which is what? It's physical. Dust can be touched. Dust, dust can be held, dust can be collected. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. What he's literally saying here is, is that he transferred 
His Spirit into the soul of man. He breathed into you that which was representative of his own soul. He put it in you. And then he goes on and he says, And the man became a living soul. In other words, man here is not referencing Adam. It's representing mankind in general is, is, is what we understand this to mean. So, so what Scripture says is, is that God formed us at least on two levels. First of all, He formed us physically. You can look at your body and you can say, well, that's a hand. I, I can clap my hands. I can raise my hands. I can touch my elbow, which, by the way, my wife told me I couldn't get up here in a short sleeve shirt anymore until I started putting lotion on my elbow. She said, because it just looks too, too bright. She said, it's too white. She said, you got to do something different about that. So, I, so, so I'm wearing a jacket today because I don't have them flesh colored yet. But I'm working on it. Hallelujah. I can look at my feet and, and no matter how big they are, how little they are, how ugly they are, how bad they smell. Let me tell you something. I have two granddaughters. I believe have, they, they walk in sewer every day. Surely they must. Because when they take their shoes off, it is the worst smell I think I've ever smelled in my life. It's so bad that even Harper now takes her shoes off, sniffs her toes, and says, Woo, stinky feet. They're bad. Some of you have stinky feet this morning. But you can look at them, and you can see them, you can touch them, you can use them to walk on. Because it's something that God created physically. But this idea of the soul is different because you can't see your soul. I, you know, where does your soul reside? Where is it in you? You know, there, there are a lot of ideas about it. There are some that say, and if I were to ask you this morning, in fact, let's just do it just for the fun of it. I want you, when I say, where is your soul? I want you to take your finger and I want you to point to your body where you believe your soul is. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Okay. A, 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 various, a various answer to that. The, the majority, by far, pointed right here. Because that's where your heart is. And I know what you're thinking because Proverbs chapter, 40, four, chapter 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart... Or your soul with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. So you would say, well, see, there, there's proof right there. The soul is here because my heart is here. But how many of you know that the original language here for heart does not mean a beating organ? You know what it literally means? It means kidneys. Really, I'm, I'm telling you the truth today. He's saying, keep your kidneys because out of your kidneys flow life. I know you weren't thinking about that, and you're a little bit surprised to find out that, but do you know what kidneys do? Do you know what their function is? Their function is to filter all the poison that enters into our body and to separate it from the nutritious parts that enter into our body, and then it removes the poison out of our body by way of the urine. 
And so what he's saying here is, is that you must be careful that you don't put things in your body that will bring poison or things in your mind that will bring poison into you. You have to be willing to treat your inner being as though it were a kidney separating the poisons out of our soul and out of our spirit and then flushing them out. So that's what he's saying. There are others who say, well, this is where, this is where it's at. The, the fact of the matter is, and there have been researches or, or studies after study and research after research that has tried to pinpoint the location of the soul and nobody can find it. Nobody knows where it is. It's almost as though it's a ghostly kind of thing. Nobody, you're, I, my soul might be right here. My soul might be over here in that God-forsaken elbow that I was just talking about a few minutes ago. Nobody knows where the soul is. But we have spiritual revelation and knowledge that though we cannot put our hand on it. Did you know that you can go to the doctor and you can say, well, I'm here today to have a, a checkup for my soul. And they'll just look at you and they'll say, you're out of your mind. We can't do a test. We don't have a machine that we can hook up to and tell whether or not your soul is healthy. There's no medicine that we can give you that will pinpoint your soul. It's just there. It's God-inspired. It's God-ordained. So the first thing that we have to understand is, is that we all have a soul. Because God created a soul in every one of us. Scripture proves it. When he breathed into the nostrils of mankind, he started a process whereby we would have the Spirit of God transferred from God himself into our soul. And so you have a soul today. Say, I have a soul. I need to take care of my soul. I need to take care of it because with all vigilance, Proverbs says, for from it flows the springs of life. That's what it says. So we have a soul design. But then because we live in this humanistic society and and this fallen world, your soul can become damaged. Did you know that? Your, Your soul is subject to... The things of this world and the humanistic philosophies of this world. Now I want you to look at Psalm chapter 42 verse 5. Psalm chapter 42 verse 5. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again Praise him, my salvation. Now, I could just preach right there on that, that particular passage of Scripture for a long time. But I'm going to move on for the sake of time today. But this is a very important passage of Scripture. The psalmist says, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? My hope should be in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. Notice that word, again. For I shall again praise him. 
Are you here today and it seems like that your praise has been shut down? Are you here today and it seems like that your worship has gone away? Is it here today? And you're here today and you've stopped being thankful and grateful for the things of God. You get up in the morning and rather than being happy and rather than being hopeful, you are full of hatred towards someone or you have some kind of sense that something is not right and it's been a long time since you've had a breakthrough in thanksgiving and gratitude and praise and worship I'm talking to you today I would say that your soul has been damaged your soul has responded to the negative things of the world rather than the positive things that God wants to place within you and it's time for you to start right there and say oh my hope is in God and if my hope is in him I know there's coming a day when though I don't praise him today and I don't thank him today there's coming a day I'm going to praise him him again. Amen. Going to praise him again. Now, psychologists have come up with what they call low-level indicators for people who may be struggling internally. And there's, there's about eight or nine of those, and I want to share those with you this morning. And, and, and I'm not preaching at you I'm trying to give you some information today that you might that might help you identify where you are in your walk with the Lord. The first one is they say that the first low-level indicator of a damaged soul is when you sense an inner turmoil. In, in other words, there's just something that's just not quite right. You're not sure what it is. You you don't you don't know how to identify it. It's just it's just kind of there. And you, you have this, you know, this is kind of not a good way, but yet it's, a, it's an accurate way to describe it. But how many of you have ever had your stomach where it just, it just kind of rolls a little bit and, you, and you know, you're a little bit gassy and all that? I'm, I'm, I'm just getting right down to where we all live. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and you can feel it moving around in there and it's just it's kind of shifting and, and you kind of walk a little bit and you, you walk carefully, you know, because you, you, you're not sure, you know, what the level of, uh, of turmoil here is, but you can kind of feel it. I mean, it's, it's an inner thing. You can't put your finger on it. You can't touch it. You can't even really identify it, but it's just this inner turmoil. And they're saying that's one of the low-level indicators that something has been damaged in your soul. And then the second one that they identify is that you are easily agitated. Now, you know, to be agitated means that you just, you know, you're, you're not at peace. You, you, you're not still. You're not... You, you know, you're constantly moving. You're, you're constantly thinking. Your mind is just, it, it just can't stop. And you're agitated and, and you're fidgety. How many of you have any fidget spinners? Can I see your hands? Anybody got a fidget spinner? Praise the Lord. I've got people raising their hand. You don't even know what a fidget spinner is probably. Stand up and spin that fidget spinner so that everybody can see. Stand up, turn around, let them see. That what's in his hand, that's a fidget spinner. Kids have them everywhere. Back in my days, it was yo-yos. You just walk down the school at, at high school, you know, in the, in the high school, uh, 
hallway and you just, you just, and then you, we got really good at them and we just kind of flick them out like that and we try to hit the girl up in front walking, you know, so that we could, uh, you know, get her attention and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then even further back, they were what we called clackers. How many of you remember clacker balls? Anybody remember those? I mean, you had a, a little circle in the middle and balls out on the end with strings and you just kind of start going like this and before you know it, it's a ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-
All I had to do was say Johnny Depp, and you went, oh. You may have a picture, a poster of him on the inside of your window like we used to have young men of Farrah Fawcett back in the days. Popular. I never had one of those. My holiness mom would not let me have one of those on the back of my door. So I had to put it between the mattresses. Look, he, he makes great movies. He's pretty. You know, he's got all those things going for him. But something, I don't know. I, it just went off on me. And I start saying, God, it's time for me to pray for the government. And it's time for me to pray for the president. And I'm, I want you to shut his mouth up, make his Twitter so that it won't work anymore. God, I pray that you will touch Johnny Depp and you will cause his tongue to cleave to the top of his mouth like we saw in the Old Testament. And I'm praying. Ain't nothing holy about way that, the way that I'm praying. Because I'm agitated, I'm angry, I'm in inner toil, turmoil. I took to the Facebook and I brought him down and I said something about it. And, it just, and, I, and, and the Holy Spirit just said, he just said to me as clearly as I've ever heard him, would you please just take a chill pill? Do you not know that you are supposed to be the leader here of this congregation? And you are not leading very well here, sir. Because you are out of order. And I was angry. I was ticked off. And I'll get back to, to this in just a minute and tell you what I had to do in order to fix this problem in my life. By the way, I may be preaching like I'm angry, but I ain't angry no more. I'm not mad anymore. They said the next thing is sadness. You say you get this overwhelming sense of sadness every day of your life. You're just walking around with this sadness in your soul. And then sadness brings you to a place of isolation. You don't want to be around anybody. This is where so many people just drop out of church. They just drop out of church, just gone. It may be members here, maybe usually regular attenders, but because of what they're going through, and the turmoil that they're facing, it's like, I'm not going to put forth the effort to go to church. Just not going to do it. And so may not see you for three months or six months or whatever the case may be. Hear the heart of this pastor. And let me tell you that when you separate yourself from the body of Christ, you are taking away one of the things that has been designed to bring strength into your spirit. You need to be here because we need you and you need us and we can work together. Isolation, lack of sleep. Now, I'm not talking about because of pizza. I'm not talking about because you, you uh, drank iced tea before you went to bed. Let me tell you something. If I drink iced tea after six o'clock, I don't even need to go to bed. I just go sleep in the bathroom. That's, that, that, that's just the way it works. And I have learned through the years not to drink tea after 6 p.m. I had to make that change. But it's talking about a lack of sleep where you go to bed and no matter how you try to relax and no matter how you try to rest, you can't get your mind quieted enough to be able to sleep and, and to be able to rest. 
I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, Pastor, you're talking to the church now. You're not talking to a bunch of people who have psychological problems and things like that. I'm telling you, I'm talking to people here this morning that it's been a very long time since you have been able to rest your mind enough that you could sleep well at night. It's a low-level indicator. And then regret. Well, I regret that I didn't marry this one. And I regret that I didn't marry that one. And I regret that I didn't take that promotion. And I regret buying this car. And I, re- I regret buying that house. And, and I regret and I regret and I regret. Let me tell you something. You can't go back and change it. So you've got to accept it and move forward and believe that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. You say, well, but what if I missed it? So what? Get over it. Come back to the future. Ask Peter what it's like to blow it. Ask the man who said, oh, him? No, I don't know him. Oh, yeah, you know him. You were with him. Oh, no, no. I don't know him. Oh, yeah, you talk like them. You must. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know that man named Jesus. And then the rooster crows. What do you think he felt the instant that he heard that rooster crow? He felt regret in his mind and in his spirit and in his soul. And he regretted what he had done. But I'm telling you that Jesus, when he called for the disciples, he sent them away. And he said, go get the disciples and bring Peter, I'm, think, I'm thankful today that he restores our souls, church. I Listen, I don't care how far you've fallen this morning. I don't care how out of sync that you've been. I'm telling you today that our Savior is able to restore your soul. I said after regret, then we start covering up with vices. We start drinking. He said, well, you know, it's okay to have a glass of wine or whatever, but 10 glasses, you know, you ought to be thinking there might be something wrong here. Scripture still says that we're not to be drunk with wine wherein is excess, and that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to drink excessive wine. It means that you're not supposed to put yourself in an atmosphere where you've had so much alcohol in your body that now your lifestyle becomes excessive. That's what he's talking about. But that's when that happens. That's when affairs happen. I'm not happy anyway. I'm not happy anyway. She won't do what I want her to do. He won't do what I want him to do. And therefore, I'm just going to go have an affair. Hold on just a second. Lord, I think I read this week that you said that the woman's body is not her own, but it is the man's. And the man's body is not his own, but it is the woman. And so therefore, you should come together regularly, except if you both agree for a time of fasting and prayer. Did I read that this week, Lord? Yeah. Yeah, you read that this week. Is that part of the holy writ? Yeah, I inspired Paul to write that. Can I say something about it? Yeah, go right ahead. (laughs) Some of you married couples 
could change the atmosphere in your household. If you just love on one another every now and then. Not one stinking amen. I can't believe it. The men should have been standing up saying, Woo! Glory, hallelujah. Sometimes, if you can just put your differences aside long enough to be intimate with one another, you'll forget why you were fussing and fighting. Good preaching. The woman's body doesn't belong to her own. It's her husband's. The husband's body does not belong to himself. It belongs to the wife. You're to work together on these things. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about damage for the soul. After a while, if you start thinking, well, my wife doesn't care about me. She's not intimate with me. She's not affectionate with me. She doesn't speak kindly to me. Uh, there's, there's a lady at work. She's awfully kind. She's awfully nice to me. Uh, she speaks good to me. And she looks for pretty good to me as well right now. That's the atmosphere. Well, what about the women? Well, if you just come in here every now and then and show a little bit of appreciation for the things that I do around here. I always have food on the table for you and I always have the house cleaned up and you never have to go looking for a pair of clean shorts. You always got clean ones in your drawer. I mean, if we could just come to the place where we should stop damaging one another's souls by not giving the affirmation that is needed, we could have some happy times in the household again. Somebody say amen. Say, Pastor, I don't know, you're in the pulpit. You ought not be talking about that kind of thing. Well, why not? We ought to talk about it. Vices. Then it goes to lack of joy. Then it goes to sin. Another uh, lack of joy, excuse me, is the last one where now all of a sudden your joy is gone. Do you remember uh, the, the passage of Scripture where David is on his, on his deck and he's looking at, he should have been in the battlefield. He should have been on the battlefield with his, with his warriors, but he's at home and he's having a nice Good old time on the deck. And he looks down and he sees a young lady by the name of Bathsheba. And he says, I want her. Go get her for me. Bring her to me. And he had a relationship with her that produced a child out of wedlock that eventually passed away. If that wasn't enough, he called for Uriah, her husband, put him on the front lines so that he would be killed and what was David's response? He covered it all up. He just covered it. And all of a sudden, the man of God, the prophet of God, Nathan, came in and he said, Hey, king, he said, let me ask you about a scenario. What would you do if you heard that a man did this, this, and this? And he said, why? We would kill him, of course. We would slay him. We would put him to death. And the man of God, thank God for men of God who will preach the truth and not back down to the truth, but call it the way that it is so that people can get their lives together. I'm sick and tired of having to tiptoe through the tulips in a Pentecostal church 
when we ought to call sin what it is uh, so that we can deal with it and remove it from our soul so that we can be the people of God uh, that he's called us to be. It's no wonder that the world is in the shape that it is in when the church of God will not even deal with its own sins. It's okay, you don't have to say amen. That one was free. It wasn't even in my notes. I'm just being led by the Holy Ghost right now. You can take it or leave it. And then all these things lead us to a lack of joy. You say, what does that have to do with David and Bathsheba? You just read Psalm chapter 51. And you, he's pleading with God. God, don't take, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He said about himself at one point, he said, I am in such turmoil that my bones are on fire. My bones are hurting because of the sinfulness within me. Let me tell you, you can get to a place where your body and your mind and your soul is so far out of whack from the Spirit of God that you'll have such turmoil in your soul and in your mind and your body that you will have the effects of these things upon your life. You say, well, pastor, you know, I didn't sin, but somebody sinned against me. I get that. I, I have often said that one of the most difficult things for anybody to have to abide is when a spouse leaves. Divorce is one of the most wicked things on the face of the earth. Now, please understand me. If you've been through a divorce, I'm, I'm not coming down on you I feel for you. I, I pray for you because you'll know what I'm talking about. But when someone that you have shared your life with, you have shared the most intimate details of your life with this individual, all of a sudden now they just walk away. They just leave. It's one of the most difficult things for you to deal with in your soul. And your inner being, it will, it will bring you to a place where you think you can't make it. So our soul can get damaged. But now I want to go to the last point. Not only is their soul damaged, but I want you to know today that wherever you are, no matter what you've dealt with, there is the possibility through Christ to have soul delight. God didn't create your soul so that you'd be miserable. He didn't create you so that every day of your life you'd be in this sense of misery every day. He created your soul so that you could have joy. So that you could be filled with thanksgiving. So that you could be hopeful. So that you could be happy. He didn't give you a soul so that you would be down in the dumps every day. But he gave you a soul so that you could experience the abundant life that comes uh, through Jesus Christ. I've come to tell somebody today, if you will reconnect with the Spirit of God, I'm here to tell you today that he will restore your soul. He will restore your soul. He will restore your soul. Greg, will you come help me? And Jamie, will you come help me and get this pulpit out of the way for just a minute? Somebody else come and get these flowers up out of the way. And I need, I need some young man. Grant, would you do it? Would you help me? I need a sheep. Can you be a sheep? See, here's what I want you to see. 
In Psalm chapter 42, let's revisit that. Psalm chapter 42 says, just, just lay down there and yeah, put your head back here and your feet out towards them. There you go. And just sit right there for just a minute. I'm not going to hurt you, I promise. I might embarrass you a little bit, but you, you get time in your life to get over that. So, <laughs> Psalm chapter 42, verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Did you know that being cast down is a, is a, a, a language of the shepherds? And when they're talking about you being cast down, they're talking about the sheep having, having gotten themselves in a position where they can't get back up. So I want you to get up on all fours like a sheep would, if you will. Now, he's happy. I mean, he's been going beside the still waters. I mean, he, he's, been, he's sat down in the presence of his enemies. I mean, he's having a great time. Life is good. He filled his belly. I mean, he's got all kind of grass in there, and it's just, he can feel it, man. Life is good. I like it here. The shepherd is right by me, and everything's okay. I think I'll lay down and take a nap. Grant, will you lay over on your side, please? There you go, and put your paws out front like a sheep would. Bring your feet out here a little bit. There you go. He's resting. He's at peace. Everything's well. But then he, he gets to the place where he wants to reposition himself. And so he rolls over on his back. Roll over on your back, if you will. Now put your feet straight up in the air and your arms straight up in the air. And don't put them down until I tell you to, okay? When a sheep is cast down, it means that he is rolled over to the point that he has positioned himself in a vulnerable position. He can't get up on his own. He is vulnerable to the natural processes and he is vulnerable to the wolves. You see, when a sheep is in this position right here, the first thing that begins to happen is that gases begin to build up in the body and they can't move properly. So it would be appropriate to say that Grant the sheep is full of air today. He's got gases building up around his spinal column. And it hurts. So don't put your feet down now. You put them back up. I want you to get uncomfortable. You getting uncomfortable? You starting to feel it in your arms? Hallelujah. He's got gases being built up in his spine and in his back now, and they're not moving. And so, he, so he's starting to feel the pain of, of being in that position. And then the circulation in his extremities stop flowing. And so he has no, if he stays there long enough, he has no circulation in his feet. Man, your feet stink too. What is it about Louisville? Dude. Woo! And then it goes from the feet down into the leg and from the leg down into the larger part of the leg and he feels it here. Are you feeling it? Oh man, yeah, he's feeling it. He's feeling it. He said, oh, I wish, I wish Jesus would help pastor to hurry up and get to the point. And he's feeling, he's cast down. 
he's not happy. He's no longer thinking about being full. He's no longer laughing. He's no longer thinking about the still waters. He's thinking about, I'm in a position where I can't get out. I can't, I'm helpless. I am hopeless. Unless somebody comes by and helps me, I'm going to die. And it only takes just a few hours for a sheep in this place of vulnerability to die. I'm not going to let you die. I promise that. I'm not going to let you die. But when you're vulnerable, when you're in this position right now, when your soul is cast down, like the psalmist did, said when he said, Oh soul, why are you cast down within me? Hope thou in God. What he's saying to you, Grant, is, yeah, you're cast down right now. Your soul's hurting. Your back's hurting. Chewing that gum ain't helping a bit because it's not refocusing your mind. You're getting to where you can't hold your feet up because the circulation is going away. The arms are no longer working the way that they should because the circulation is not flowing like it should. And your mind right now is saying, oh, God, if you don't help, no, get your hands back up there. Oh, God, if you don't help me soon, I'm going to die. And I feel like he's at the place where he needs help right now, don't you? So the shepherd comes by. Don't, don't, don't go yet. And what does the shepherd do? He restores his soul. How does he do that? He goes over to where he is, and he rolls him back on his side. Put your arms and your legs out now. The shepherd doesn't reach down around his belly and pick him up on his legs and on his feet. You know why? Because he has no circulation in his legs yet. If he set him up all the way, he'd just fall right back over because he has no circulation. So he has to go through a process where he can get the blood flowing through his extremities again before he can stand up. So, so the shepherd comes beside him. And he takes his front leg and he, he begins to massage that leg. And he begins to get that blood flowing again. And he starts getting that blood flow in that one. And then he puts it down and then he gets it in this arm. And he gets that blood flowing again. Uh, and before long, the, there's circulation again. And, and the color of the skin returns uh, to its natural state. And then he moves to the back legs where the strength is. Uh, and now the, sh the sheep is is beginning to show signs of, of recovery. And he starts kind of kicking his, his legs around. Go ahead, kick your legs around a little bit and your arms a little bit. Start by, start to just start like by. He's letting, letting the shepherd know, get back over on your side. And now the shepherd, now the shepherd reaches down and he rolls him again. And he, help me, son. You're, get up here. Oh, oh God, you're fat. And he sets him up in his upright position. Now what does the shepherd do? You know what we think he does? You know what our mind says that he does? You stupid sheep, why don't you do better next time? You're an idiot. You know better than to do that. You've done that ten times this week. You've fallen down seven times. And I'm telling you, I'm getting sick and tired of picking you up. If I have to pick you up one more time, 
I'm taking you and offering you as a sacrifice to somebody. I'm going to eat your fat. That's what we think he does. But that's not what he does. He scratches him a little bit behind the ear. And he says, you're all right, son. It's going to be okay. I know you've fallen down seven times this week. But that's okay. I was right there beside you to help you get back up. It's not how many times you fall down. It's how many times you get right back up. And you're back up on your feet. Uh, Your soul has been restored. Go on about life. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. I usually pay my actors about $100 an hour. But I don't feel led of the Lord to do that today. So come help me if you will. Let me tell you something. There are two ways that you can get out of the doldrums that you're in. Two ways. The first one is, is that you just simply got to rely on the Spirit of God that is in you. I know you may want to do it yourself, and there's a time for you to do some things that will liberate you, but you've got to trust the Lord. And then you've got to do what He tells you to do. You know what the Lord told me? When I got all Johnny Depped up in my spirit... I mean, I was angry. I was frustrated. It wasn't just Johnny Depp. I was sitting on that deck over there. I was looking at that big old building in the back of this facility. We pay a mortgage on it every month. We pay insurance on it every month. We pay utilities on it every month. And I was sitting there thanking God for that beautiful building. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me that in our current state, we don't even need that building. Listen to me. I'm trying to get somewhere. I tried to count up in my head how many functions and how many hours a week we use that building right now. We're opening the doors of it about three hours a week. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I can remember when we used to have basketball tournaments back there. I can remember when we had big plans. I remember when we were moving in the right direction. And now where we are with that resource that you've given us is absolutely unacceptable to me. He said, I'd like to inspire you with some vision. But I don't have enough of your head to be able to speak to you the way that I need to speak to you. Because you think you've got it all figured out and you don't. I've got a plan that you're not even aware of yet. But until you get over Johnny Depp, I can't even speak to you. I said, I'm yours, Lord. What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to fast. He said, I want you to fast social media and mainstream any kind of news 
I don't want it going into your spirit, spirit for a period of time. I said, how long, Lord? He said, till I tell you. And I took Facebook and all those things off my phones and I, I laid it all aside and I said, Lord, I'm, not, I'm only going to use this phone for tasks that pertain to my job as the pastor of this church. And I'm not going to feed that in anymore. And I did it for three days. And every morning, I got up before the sun came up. And I went out on that deck. And I sat in a chair. And I took my Bible. And I just sat there. I'd open my Bible and he'd say, close it. You're not ready. I'd close it back up. And I'd sit there. I'd say, oh Lord. He'd say, shut up. I don't want to hear a thing you have to say. Hush. And I just sat there. Ten minutes went by and fifteen minutes went by. Half hour went by, an hour went by. He said, now go get a shower and go to work. I got up and I went in, took a shower and came to work. Next morning, went right back to the same chair. Sat back down. Got my Bible open. He said, shut it. You're not ready yet. I said, oh, Lord God, I need you to, I want you to hush. I want you to listen to me. And I did that for three days. And Brother Danny, on the third day, after the third day, on the fourth morning, I got real spiritual. I wanted to know what, I wanted to know what the weather was going to be that day. So I put the coffee on and I turned the weather on and I went in to get my coffee and the weather is on and in the middle of the weather it switched over to the political news and I'm getting my coffee and they said Trump said this Trump tweeted this Spicer said that Pelosi said that and I'm sitting there and I'm going hmm hallelujah I went in I shut it off I sat down on the porch no noise no TV no nothing open my Bible he said close it I started praying he said hush and I saw this little book that I got many many years ago my wife turned me on to one called come away my beloved written by Francis Roberts and this one is called On the High Road of Surrender. Now listen, you know me. I don't, I don't suggest that, and, and listen, it's 11.58. If you gotta go, go. I'm not done yet. Okay? I'm just gonna preach something done. If you need chicken, go get it. I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna preach. I'm almost done, but I'm not going to rush the message of the Lord today. I'm not one of these preachers that says, just open your little Bible and point your little finger and get your little word from the Lord. 
I don't do that. But on this day, I just picked up the book and I just opened it up. And I didn't say anything. I didn't look at anything. I'm just sitting there. And the Holy Spirit said, look. And I looked. And the first thing I saw was a little devotional called quietness. And it says, how often have I spoken to you concerning the importance of quietness? Question mark. You have been obedient partially, but the solitude with which you have surrounded yourself is being invaded and destroyed by the conflict within your soul. He said, now shut the book. I shut the book and he said now listen to me I have a life prepared for you that you have not yet received or achieved and as long as you insist upon feeding your soul with the turmoil of this world you will never be able to receive what I have for you. And worse yet, you will never be able to do what I have called you and positioned you for and anointed you to do. You are equipped, but your equipment is being overridden by the cares of this world. And he said, don't open it again until I tell you to. Don't open your Bible. Don't open. He said, I want you to come and sit in this chair every morning. I know some of you are saying, well, pastor, that sounds good, but you don't have four kids. I don't care you have 12 kids. You make time to do what you want to do. Did you hear me? You make the time to do what you want to do. And if you are desperate enough to have your soul restored, you're going to have to carve out some time in your life that is exclusively reserved for the peace speaker. You say, well, I keep waiting for this big word. You know, sometimes all you need is just to hear the birds sing again. Sometimes you just need to lay down beside the still waters and hear those waters as they just trickle by and let your soul. Let your soul be renewed. How bad do you want it? Brother Danny, I think you could relate to this. I think one of the curses of Pentecostal churches is that we have to have 
chill bumps every week for everything. You let something get quiet. You let, let the preacher start talking instead of screaming and preaching. It's amazing to me how many times I leave on Sunday and when I've spit on people, jumped, screamed, danced, hollered. People, oh man, what a word from God. What did I say? What? What did I say? You just got to understand, I'm at the point in my life where I don't, I don't really care. I don't really care. Because if all you're hearing is what I have to say and getting a little feel good on, you're just not going to get it. But when you can hear past my words and in your spirit you hear the voice of the Lord, let me tell you, it doesn't matter how quiet it is and it doesn't matter how soft it is. When you hear the voice of the Lord, it will restore. 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 I feel my spirit coming back to me. I feel my soul being restored. I'm talking about me now. I don't feel that rage and I don't I don't feel that anger because the world's in the mess that it's in and I, I don't feel that rage because somebody said something to me that offended me a little bit or somebody forgot to affirm me when I felt like I needed affirmation. I don't I don't feel that rage and I, I don't feel that in my spirit. I I just feel the peace of God that passes understanding just filling me up and I just feel like there's some people in this house today that you'd say, Pastor, I, I lost that peace. I, I don't know where it went to and how it got away from me, but I need for the Lord to restore me. And I want you to stand right where you are. If you feel that, if you feel you need to be restored by the peace of God, I want you to stand right where you are. Stand right where you are. those of you who stood this morning, look at me for just a minute. So I want to ask you, how serious are you about having your soul restored? How serious are you? Just like with Grant the sheep, he had to be massaged a little while to get the circulation moving again. 
He had to be positioned on his side before he could be positioned on his feet. He had to move through that process before restoration could take place. Listen, God is still massaging my limbs. Me, I'm talking about me. Every morning when I go out on that deck and I sit there quietly, the Lord's just taking my limbs and He's rehabilitating my limbs and He's bringing strength back in where strength was gone because I'm committed to the process. I'm committed not to try to cherry pick promises. God, I want to read this one today and I I want to read that one today. Hush. Listen to my spirit. I'm not telling you don't read your Bible. I'm saying take a period of time and listen to the voice of the spirit. He will speak to you. He will hear you. He won't tell you anything that conflicts with this book. But he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you personally. And then when he starts moving you up, when he reaches down, he picks you up, sets you on your feet. Don't you take off running. Thank God I finally got up on my feet. I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. I've been laying in that position for so long. I'm ready to run, I'm ready to run, I'm ready to run. Ready, 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 ready to run. No. No, your legs aren't ready for that. You're not completely, you're not completely restored yet. You say, well, how do I move? You stay close to the shepherd. And when he speaks, the sheep know his voice. And they move with the voice of the shepherd. <laughs> How badly do you want it? How badly do you want it? How bad do you want it? You want it bad? Hallelujah. Lord, restore unto her the joy of your salvation. Restore. Restore. Strengthen. Build her up. Edify her in the name of the Lord. Lord, let her be committed to the process and open her ears so that she might hear the voice of the Spirit. How bad do you want it, young man? You want it bad? You willing to give up whatever you have to give up in order to have it? Yes? Amen? Lift your hands up and say, Lord, right now, I receive it in Jesus' lovely name. Amen? I want it bad, he said, Lord. So begin this process of restoration in his soul today in Jesus' name. Do you want it, Connie? Do you want it bad? Oh, restore her in Jesus' name. Restore her soul in the name of Jesus. Restore her 
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Point your hands this direction, church. Come on. You want it? You want it bad? More than anything. He said he wants it more than anything. Point your hands this direction, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you restore his soul. He wants it more than anything. Reveal to him the process. Work with him. Massage those limbs, Lord, that need circulation back in them. And give him the strength that he needs to walk in your victory. In Jesus' name. This is my name. Go ahead and walk with the Lord in relationship with Him. Tell me what your name is. This is my day.
the music down just a minute. I, I think, I've always believed this, sometimes for something to really be solidified in your spirit, you have to do something as a reminder of the word that the Lord gave to you. How many of you remember when Jesus was in the boat and the storm kicked up and everybody got afraid? I mean, they're on mission for God now. They're, they got the Savior right there. I mean, everything's okay. It should be hunky-dory. All should be well. And then that storm, that storm just lifted its nasty little head right in the middle of our victory. Can you believe the devil would have the audacity to rise up in the middle of your victory? Who do you think he is? Well, let me tell you, he'll do it every stinking time. And they called to Jesus and they said, hey, we're about to go down with the ship here. Do you care? I always like this story. It's just such a great story. And Jesus just gets up and he says, peace. Be still. You know the proper translation of that in the original language? You know, you know what it should be? You know what it should say there? It should just simply say, hush. 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 When I was a kid, I'd start smarting my mouth off to my mama. And I could really get a good smarting going. You know what I'm saying? And there were times that my mama, she'd just look at me. She didn't have to raise a hand to me. She didn't have to threaten me. She just looked at me and she'd say, Robbie. She always called me Robbie. I hated it. Still do. Don't you dare come up and call me Robbie after church. I'll lay hands on you. She'd say, Robbie. Snap those fingers. When I'd look, she'd say, hush. That's all it took. I'd hush my mouth. Let me tell you something. Some of you, when you walk out of this house today, you're going to walk out on cloud nine. You got a word from the Lord. You got peace. You're in the process. And the minute you get out of here, in fact, it may not take some of you getting out of the door before the devil says, hey, you don't really believe that, do you? You don't really believe that I'm just going to leave you alone. You don't really. All you got to do in the spirit is just say to him, listen to me, devil. Hush your mouth. You have no authority over me. So listen, listen, let's practice. Let, let's act like he's coming after us right now. Are you ready? On the count of three, I want you to give him the best hush your mouth that you can go, that you can do, and then you can be dismissed and go eat your chicken now. Amen? But I want you to do it. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Hush your mouth, devil. Hallelujah. God bless you.